Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. everyone welcome back to another episode of dangerous world podcast as always you're listening to ryan dean and brandon peacock and we are joined by mark steves of the my family thinks some crazy podcast also uh affiliated with the tinfoil hat podcast zero uh a lot of sam tripley's work as well this dude uh brings the heat he always is very well researched and he's down to talk a little bit of shit and spread some knowledge in this episode about the secret history of drug use, how they're tied into secret societies, and just how drugs can potentially benefit you, your spirituality, your business relations, right? No one wants to work with some sober people these days. It makes it a lot easier uh, just to connect with the elites if you're uh, kind of partaking in one or two or more drugs. What did you think of the episode, Brandon? This was a fun one for me. By the end of it, I felt like singing that uh, Cheech and Chong song. Remember that? Save the whales. Kill the seals. Remember that shit? <laughs> sure. Um, sure, no, I he, do. No, he's, he's great, man. He's a, he's a, he's a stoner, dude. Like, uh, they, have these great, they have this great perspective through which to view history. Um, in you know, in the perspective from from the perspective of one particular product that is now massively available in the United States for recreational use, and I'm super happy about it. We also talk about um, how some modern day secret societies might be influencing it, and also I, as I as I always like, just some nuance to how much of a good thing and a bad thing um, this this kind of practice can be. So, uh, yeah, Mark's always a joy to uh, uh, to come aboard, man. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, you know, I, I did a little bit of research on the triads just because, you know, like I mentioned, we are about to be the United States branch of China, you know, so we need to learn a little bit of history about China, uh, China's secret societies, the foremost of which being the triads. And I thought that, uh, you know, not going to say that I was the MVP of the episode, but I will say that I did bring, bring something to the table. Uh, when, you know, obviously when you, when you're talking with a couple of intellectuals, uh, you got to bring something forward. You got to just talk about what? something that's interesting. Right. When we're, when we're talking about this soft, cloudy, nuanced shit, you gotta have a big old pile driver of a wish I were black dick. Uh, coming through yeah yeah absolutely yeah. man no i'm happy happy you were here at least at least talk. no no it's 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 a, it's a great one man so guys you guys uh have fun keep reaching out to us via especially via those uh itunes uh or excuse me apple uh podcast store uh five star reviews we fucking love those reach out to us about the, the, the gmail and the facebook um as always guys 
Yes, and we're recording this intro very late, so we're keeping it short. And we just want to, uh, you know, introduce you to some interesting ideas regarding drugs, secret societies. And uh, again, no one wants to hang out with sober people in 2021. You guys bring us down. So find a vice, uh, you know, stop eating vegan, stop being healthy, get into something that is a little more detrimental to your health. And you'll probably find it to be more rewarding than it would be if you were exercising every day, uh, you know, doing anything that just may be good for you. Don't be selfish, you know, do drugs so that you're more fun around other people, uh, partake in alcohol, do what you got to do, indulge yourself, eat a lot of food. Uh, I mean, come on, health was for 2019. I, obviously, things are getting nasty. They started back in March of 2020. No one cares about your health. No one cares about your jogging. No one cares about your traveling. You can't travel anymore. So enjoy the episode and enjoy what we're talking about here. Mark is a great guest. And, uh, you know, that's all I have to say. Let's get into it. Patreon, Instagram, guys. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. We have Mark Steves of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. He's also affiliated with the Tinfoil Hat podcast, Sam Tripoli, uh, Zero podcast. He works, you know, right next to Sam, man. This is a fun, fun guest. What's that? He's a grinder, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, this dude is a podcast wizard right now. Um, I got to thank you up front here, Mark, for connecting me with uh, Sam Tripoli on his Patreon. We had an epic conversation probably uh hopefully i should say not the uh high point of my podcasting career i hope that i keep excelling but uh as of right now that was absolutely a highlight of my uh almost year-long podcasting career here man going right to the top and it's thanks to you mark and we wanted to bring you on dude uh to talk about some hidden history in drug use hidden history of like the drug culture, how they tie into secret societies, but plug your stuff, man. Like, uh, did I leave anything out of what you're up to lately? No, you got it. Uh, my family thinks I'm crazy.com. And from there you can find all of the ways to listen to the show. You can support us on our Patreon. We have all kinds of exclusive content, <clears throat> excuse me, exclusive content. And, uh, yeah, we're putting our videos all on Patreon, not really doing the YouTube thing, just uh, all on Patreon. And yeah, like you said, I helped Sam book the show, uh, not only Tinfoil Hat, but Zero and uh, Conspiracy Social Club, which is a fun podcast with Brian Callen and uh, Sam Tripoli. So yeah, man, I'm I'm blessed. 2020 has been great and I'm happy to to spread the you know the luck and the the success around you know that's what this business is about is supporting each other and you guys do a great job making this dangerous world podcast so i'm happy to continue to book you guys whenever possible you know uh, i definitely want to see you guys on tinfoil hat eventually hopefully that'll be the high point <laughs> yeah well yeah you're you're too kind man year. Yeah, thanks for the thanks for the crumbs, man. This guy isn't just a connector, guys. This is uh, Mark is one of our favorite guests to talk about because he. I think we talked about uh, we. Uh, what was our first episode with Mark here? Were we talking about Thanksgiving? No, that no, was a, secret societies. Yes, secret societies. Yeah, which is a uh, 
a namesake to our to our industry here, man. So we're so, going so, full circle. Yeah, yeah. So so Mark, Mark, thank you, thank you for coming on, man. We're really excited to have you here. And dude, you sent me, Mark, you sent me some great articles in an email that I wish that I had gotten a couple hours ago because these are very interesting. But you're gonna <laughs> have to fill me. Save those, Brandon, because or Ryan, because those are for Brandon. <laughs> Okay. I, I I anticipated Brandon being a little skeptical, so I just wanted to have no. some uh, articles to run to. You know, uh, what we'll get into, <laughs> and this is a little teaser, is some of the founders of modern academic science, Robert Boyle and Robert Hooke, right? The fathers of modern chemistry and a, a few other really interesting sciences. They were big proponents of cannabis, you know, so... As we'll get into today, that'll be maybe towards the end of what I have to say. But yeah, I think that it's crazy how some of the most innovative scientists are also connected to this hidden history of cannabis. And it's been almost forgotten. I mean, most people consider cannabis as this thing that just gets you high and stupid and out of touch. And I have never, ever had that experience. I'll tell you, maybe it's just me. But I've always been a advocate for cannabis because it's helped me become more intelligent, I believe. Well, we can perform a little double blind test right here if you want to, man. I just smoked up some medical shit, which is uh, thankfully very, very legal now in the state of Arizona. So uh, so if my cousin sounds smarter than me during this uh, during this podcast, you know exactly what to blame. No, no, I mean, I, I mean I, I'm, I'm open to open to keeping an open mind here. I am going to check all the emails. I literally have it open right now. Um, so, so, uh, I do want to ask though, if, if you have nothing before, uh, we jump into Mark's right here. Well, you know what? I, I do find it interesting that it seems like drug use in ancient culture was very, very prevalent, not just for the elites, but for like the average everyday citizen back in, you know, whether it be Egypt, Greece, uh, Rome, anywhere, it seemed like a lot and Sumeria, even, you know, a lot of these ancient, ancient cultures we're dabbling in drugs, and it seems like, by no coincidence in my opinion, they were also very spiritual in those times as well. And, I mean, you know, we've lost our spirituality as a civilization. It seems like we're drifting farther and farther into what, you know, is a big favorite topic of mine, the the digital age talking about social media and how that's possibly a new drug that we don't even identify as a drug quite yet. Um, you know, there's something to be said about drug use and spirituality. And when I say drugs, you know, opium, we kind of, uh, you know, associate that with heroin. So, you know, you're not going to get too spiritual when you're on heroin, but, um, you know, when you're smoking opium and you're in a big group and a big crowd of people and possibly chanting or dancing or worshiping whatever God you, uh, you know, choose to worship, it seems like that's a great way to connect people. You're more vulnerable when you're on drugs, whether it be cannabis, opium, um, apparently nutmeg is a drug that you can that you can kind of uh, mix with other things. You kind of uh, talked about like ayahuasca, it's something similar to that. So we'll get into this a little bit of how it seems as though drugs were outlawed to in part get us away from spirituality but uh brandon getting into what you were thinking so so maybe i'm starting at the end here mark but uh thomas jefferson is he uh, a pothead or not do you have any ideas on that <laughs> way to way to nail me right in the gate uh no <laughs> i i i have a 
great response for what Ryan said, but unfortunately, Brandon, I have not looked into any of the founding fathers. I do know that they were Freemasons, so if they did the Egyptian rite of Freemasonry, then there is an almost 100% guarantee in my mind that they at least knew about cannabis if they didn't either use it. I mean, the Egyptian rite of Freemasonry includes uh, ingesting cannabis, and you know, the Knights Templar carried a lot of their use of cannabis into Freemasonry as Templars kind of were persecuted and they went into hiding. And then later the remnants of what was left became Freemasonry. So yeah, considering Thomas Jefferson was a Freemason or at least, uh, you know, an associate of a lot of Freemasons, he was certainly aware of cannabis. I know that some founding fathers wrote about hemp as a uh, as an industrial product worth looking into, and you know, obviously, there's a whole American saga and why it was outlawed. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But to to answer what you were kind of bringing up, Ryan, I, I think that you're absolutely right by supposing that cannabis or drug use and spirituality have gone hand in hand throughout. Um, you know, civilization. I think that the number one thing that I'll point out, though, is that to me, the way I've interpreted it and the way I've learned it from the people, uh, particularly indigenous cultures here in North America that have taught me what I know, um, is that these spirits have a consciousness of their own, right? These plants are a spirit a consciousness of themselves that you interact with, whether it's through the smoke or the liquid ingestion, you know, there's all kinds of alchemical and chemical ways to break these substances this is, down. But this is this is in the uh, the midst of animism, right? Where where a lot of the world's religions are talking about the fact that everything that's moving, even even the things that are inter- inanimate, the pebble right in front of you at the edge of the river's at the edge of a river is like it has a soul of some sort right well and and it's important to remember that there wasn't even a distinction between that uh as a new thing or an old thing it was just the way it was because animism kind of came out of the uh the philosophizing of consciousness right when humans were realizing that they had consciousness they didn't separate and say well it's only ours they applied it to everything right because they were only at least how i see it uh, the way i view it is that animism is kind of a byproduct of this early understanding of the world around us you know so yeah i think you're right animism plays into it animal plant spirits uh indigenous cultures still revere them to this day uh gnostic faith takes the same approach or a similar approach and as we'll get into you'll see how cannabis is associated with the roots of many 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 of the world's major religions if not most of them so the first recorded use of cannabis was almost 5,500 years ago in where modern day Romania is, right? So that's a group of people called the Kurgans, okay? And they were known, uh, well, they were found to have resin and different uh, pipes and types of uh, fireplaces where they would burn cannabis, catch the smoke in their hands, and then inhale the smoke, right? So this was a 
one of the earliest recorded uses, but then we know from more uh, <clears throat> modern than that, the Scythian group of people that lived in that same region, which is now modern day Romania, Iran, that whole, you know, Euro-Asia area, the Scythians, they were a people that were known for being fierce warriors. They had tattoos all over and they were very much associated with the cannabis plant. Another thing that they were associated with was the Silk Road, okay? Because as most people would know, Greece, Persia, India, and China were all connected by this Silk Road, which was the middle area where the Scythians lived. So the Scythians had this, you know, use for cannabis, whether it was ritual or religious, it's very, um, you know, indicative that it was, and it spread, right? So in Persia, after, you know, sometime AD, you have like the Manichaeism religion of Mani, right? This Persian leader who used cannabis and these people spread all over the world. Zoroaster was another religious leader from that area who used cannabis. Greece, we have the Dionysus cult, right? The mystery schools were using what they called a Hyoma or Soma. Uh, this was cannabis. And then we go to India. India is probably the place where it was preserved the best, right? You have to this day, people practicing the rites of Shiva, which is very well known to include cannabis or bong, which is a mixture of cannabis, alcohol, water, and milk, right? It's no wonder that <laughs> they use milk. Milk is full of fat, we know now that fats help THC get through your body, right? And cows are sacred to the Indians. You know, I, I think there's mm. definitely a lot to look in there. And then China is probably one of the places where it you can't see it, right? It Now, looking at China, the influence of cannabis is not as obvious but it's there right the beginning of Taoism was very much inspired by cannabis and later on like i said the maniche uh people were spreading all around uh asia and there was i think the the sung dynasty and the yin dynasty uh outlawed cannabis because these manichaeans were doing these all night incense rituals where they were smoking cannabis and for whatever reason the the dynasty didn't jive with that. I mean, over and over and over again, you see empire fighting against cannabis, right? The Romans prosecuted the Manichaeans. Uh, the Gnostics also used a variety of psychoactive plants and they were prosecuted and killed and exterminated by the Romans. So, and then even more particularly the Bible. I mean, the Bible has references to cannabis and a lot of what i'm talking about today comes from the work of chris bennett right chris bennett is an author uh, of the book Liber 420 and he's shown uh that cannabosum can be found in the bible and it's uh translated back to cannabis well, I I wonder if you know any any more of the context around that, uh, Mark, because I'm 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 not familiar with that, and I just got got done reading the Bible. So, what, do you do you know the references by chance? Yeah, I can. I mean, I have the book too, so we can be ultra specific. But uh, from off the top of my head, I know that the anointing oil, 
was said to have used cannabosum and those who were the anointed ones were those who used this cannabis, right? So Jesus was said to be an anointed one. He healed the sick. What were some of the, you know, illnesses that they were having back then, right? They, they said that people were possessed by demons, right? Well, back then they thought that seizures or epilepsy was caused mm. by demon possession. Well, now in modern science, we know that CBD and THC are therapeutic for people who have epilepsy and are prone to seizures. So, you know, that to me points to maybe these messiahs were using uh, cannabis as their sort of uh, healing agent. And there is etymological information that would show that words like Christ, Christos, come from a similar origin okay so canna that, bossum that's that's, yeah? that's just, just by the way that's 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 in the also in the context of a whole bunch of religions at this time borrowing from the same thing so while a lot of skeptics look at this and think well yeah they they're they all are saying the same thing but but say different things about the way that you get to heaven a lot of people th look at it and say they're all talking about the same thing. That means that there's some commonality, some some truth that they're all getting to here. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we don't even have to look at just the uh, literary references. There is physical evidence for the use of cannabis in wine, right? They would infuse it with wine. And there's been numerous, numerous archaeological digs that have found cannabis residue in uh, different types of cups, like grails, right? And now that goes into the whole Holy Grail um, mythos, right? So the Holy Grail was supposedly this elixir of life. And some people say that it could be that the Holy Grail was a cup filled with some sort of cannabis elixir, a mixture of cannabis and other psychoactive plants in a beverage. Wouldn't that be interesting that the uh, the Knights Templar, who we covered a few episodes or the ago, are the ones commonly referred to as the ones who are protecting that, that knowledge, the keepers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the Knights Templar, like I mentioned before, were actually, you know, associated to some degree with the Hashassins, right? The Assassins, the Hashat, you know, it's spelled Hashis, right? Hashassins. Yes. So Big family, yeah, I just yeah. probably butchered that. <laughs> <laughs> I probably butchered that word, but uh, yeah, these people were um, known to use cannabis in their rituals. It was a part of how they took the um, took these normal people and kind of got them into the mindset to be an assassin, right? Apparently, you would come to this kind of new place. They would get you all intoxicated and you'd wake up and be in this beautiful garden and a man would be there or some beautiful women would be there and they would basically hypnotize you into thinking you are in some kind of new reality and and as just a normal you know illiterate herdsman you probably would have believed them because you've never been intoxicated before and you would have you know devoted your whole life to this cause right so it's very easy to understand how the psychology of drugs and addiction now with our modern view of it could have been misunderstood and also manipulated for certain agendas throughout history. I mean, we have many cultures that use drugs to sort of get everybody kind of 
cool as if like you know cool with the with the priest you know like the kool-aid you drink the kool-aid and and uh-huh. now you're down with the cult you know it it did function like that in some respects but the part that i think leads to it ultimately being outlawed is the fact like ryan mentioned is that you ultimately when engaging with these plant spirits or allies you you have a spiritual awakening and the empire cannot you know control those who are awakened so all of these cults that were offering you know these drug psychoactive rituals to people to gain gnosis and awakening were kind of stamped out over time can we can can i ask about how that gnosis happens so if uh, maybe it's too specific to ask you know what what's how, what differentiates a person who has engaged with these drugs or engaged with these drugs within the the right uh was ritualistic context right uh, uh what 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 distinguishes them from the people who haven't had it i mean i to me when we talk about this topic it is the people who are the movers and the shakers are the most likely to have engaged in drugs in the right kind of ritual in order to awaken something in order to, to let them see through the matrix or stop bullets like Neo does. So what is, is it, but, but maybe that's not, not too fine of a question. Can I ask like, what, what do you think throughout history is the thing that separates the people who have done this stuff and who have not? I can only speak from my experience, but if I would have to put myself in the shoes of someone who was born maybe in 50 AD at the time of of uh, Christ or, or what have you, and I was illiterate and I only knew stories from what I've been told about, you know, through maybe myths or different cultural folklore type stories, something like cannabis would have probably rocked my world to the point of revelation now how that ties back to me being a 26 year old male in the united states of america i was inundated with propaganda i mean the school system taught me barely anything about the reality of the world uh it was really just whatever speciality about me that made me interested in this stuff uh, to question things and be curious. And I think that why that matters is because when I smoked cannabis, it was another confirmation that I had been lied to. I'd been told my whole life that this plant was bad for me and would cause problems in my life. And all it did was initiate a type of intuition that I'd never experienced before. And it was an intuition that led me to understand my spiritual being and and from there it facilitated the gathering of knowledge that's led me to where i am now to be able to speak on this stuff and 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 go out and look for things to research now to me that seems like what it is it's like a key you know we're all walking around with this like unlocked stage and we just gotta go and unlock it you know we're all locked up maybe (laughs) yeah dude and like with cannabis and how you're saying that it kind of heightens your personal like and this is you know you talking for your from your own personal experience smoking cannabis kind of raises your own intuition and when i smoke i feel the same thing i get i get anxiety when i smoke weed because i'm not a heavy weed smoker 
But, I mean, I should have anxiety realistically. I have a home to where if my refrigerator breaks or my air conditioner breaks here in Tucson, Arizona, I can't afford to fix it. I should have anxiety. But I don't um, from my day-to-day life until I smoke weed. It makes me think a little more rationally. And then sometimes I also question uh, the shit that I say on this podcast or on you know social media where I'm like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that. That might offend someone. What you're saying to me, Ryan, is something that's very profound because I think my experience is that with people and cannabis, I've always been someone who's just meshed really well and I've always loved it and told people it's great. Try it. And I've heard people say what you just said. like, Oh, it gives me anxiety. It gives me paranoia. And what that makes me think is that the plant spirit, the plant ally is telling you something. And you just illustrated it. You said, yeah, real reasons to be anxious. So this thing is like waking me up and it's almost too real. I don't want to experience it. But that's kind of why there are allies, because through good or through bad, they're pushing you to change. Right. Of course. Joe Joe Rogan has this great bit. He's talking about how like, dude, you agrees exactly with you guys. It's like, dude, you fucking should like if you just look at our position in the universe, you should be freaking out because we're on a ball spinning 5,000 miles an hour flying flying through space 10,000 miles an hour. Every single minute of your life should be just just you being like, ah! Yeah. Yeah, you should be a little a little more and especially with the state of the country that we're in right now. I mean, the the future is very unsure and I do believe that um what you're saying about how cannabis kind of uh, heightens your enlightenment. Uh I do agree, man, but you know, I find the whole thing with how drugs in general, not just cannabis, but I I I'm very interested in the secret society aspect into it. And up until like the 19th century, secret societies were actually like the deadbeats of society right i mean we're we're seeing that you know there's that great movie angels and demons with tom hanks and yeah it's tom hanks he's like the head of satanism and all that but they they illustrate it very well that the secret society known as the illuminati was going to war with the vatican they they were not uh friends like they are today right now the illuminati is the fucking church you know, it is the Vatican. It is the it's Wall Street. It's all the powers. Who, who told you all this? What's that? Who told? Where's, where's this from? This is from that uh, Michael Brown or what's the guy's name? Is uh, this from? Is this from the uh, from the Da Vinci it, Code you're talking about? There's that, and then there's some other things where secret societies were kind of like the counterculture. Is what I'm getting at. It, they weren't so much part of the establishment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so that yeah, that's what I'm getting at. I might, I might have not articulated that well, but what I'm saying is that secret society. No, societies- it's okay. I just get nervous about Illuminati because it's like a catch-all term that might not it's be exactly, exactly what you mean. But no, no, yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. Like Illuminati is, in in my opinion, it's a uh, it's an umbrella term for skull and bones for the triads, which I want to get into a little bit. Um, for all of these different, more specific, the thuggies are a good one. Um, you know, all of these groups that are very uh, well connected through this umbrella, umbrella that they call the Illuminati, the illuminated ones, the ones that follow Lucifer, the bringer of light. Um, but I mean, like, it's interesting, dude, with the triads, if you don't mind, I, I kind of wanted to talk about them for a second because I found what they do is very fascinating. 
And, you know, let's face it, we're about to become part of China very soon. Obviously. So we may as well uh, just kind of realize what the highest level of secret society was doing in China, uh, dating back to like the 18th century. But the the triads was, uh, you know, they're essentially like this triple union society. It's a trinity of like heaven, earth, humanity. Um, and then again, back in the 18th century, it was uh, the heaven and earth society was what the triads were. And they tied many smaller groups uh, together through drugs and organized crime. And the drugs is the important part to me. You know, we hear these cliches of the, you know, opium dens and all this crazy shit. And I find it interesting, dude, that the, the, the triads used the triangle as their emblem. And it was usually like with swords and this guy Guan Yu or Wan Yu. I don't know how the fuck these people talk, but it was it was essentially just like they were serving under this dude that they essentially worshipped. Man, this was under like this Liu Bei, and he helped the Han Dynasty fall. And the Han Dynasty was essentially what prevented the communist the Chinese Communist Party from coming to power. And, you know, a, a few uh, generations later, the Chinese Communist Party is very powerful now. And they got people away from the triads and from these underground groups by telling them to, uh, you know, kind of seek help from the Kongji, which actually translates to company. And it's essentially pledge, pledging your loyalty to the state. And it's basically just, you know... If, if you need work, like if immigrants are coming in, they need work, don't go and sell drugs. Just pledge your loyalty to the state, to the Kongxi. Uh, Kongxi, again, I don't know how they talk. I don't know how to pronounce these words. It just sound angrier when you say it. Like, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I get Oh, that's the thing. You can fucking have a different different inflection or infl- whatever the fuck. You can just say things however you want. And uh, apparently... something completely different, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, if you say a word a, sp- a specific way, it's going to mean, like, I love you versus, like, hey, fuck you, you know? So it's interesting when you start to see this resurgence in the 20th century, again, under the CCP, which, like, kind of rose up in, uh, I think it was 1949. And most of these triad societies kind of had to migrate to Hong Kong. There was about 300,000 people that moved from China or around Asia or Europe even, just moving to Hong Kong, and they were all organized crime gangsters. Like, it was all about this. And, dude, their hierarchy is fascinating. Real quick, before I get into that, though, there's this, you know, more recently in 2018, 33, and we know the the numerology behind 33. 33 triad members were arrested in Italy. And they essentially got arrested because they were intimidating goods coming from China or Hong Kong or wherever, Thailand, wherever, coming into Italy. They were essentially like the mafia, right? And obviously, the triads were very well connected with the mafia. And... I just find that fascinating, dude, that these people, again, 33 people got arrested, basically just trying to kind of like bully their way into shit. And what I think is super dope, and I wanted to show you this, Brandon, um, you can't see it, unfortunately, Mark, but I can send you this, that they, the Chinese triads, they use this numerological code to get their hierarchy going. So the, the top guy is the dragon head or the leader 
and they called it the, the uh, mountain master. And the numerology there is four, eight, nine. And Chinese numerology is a little different than, you know, what, uh, you know, Gamatria is. It's it's much different than all of that. But the this dragon head is the guy at the top. And he oversees directly these three branches, the vanguard, the deputy mountain master, and the incense master. And it, right when you were talking about this incense stuff, Mark, it started making me think about this. And the numerology there is all 438 for the Vanguard, for the Deputy Mountain Master, and the Incense Master. And the only one that's really important out of those three branches is the Deputy Master. And this guy oversees the Red Pole Enforcer, the White Paper Fan, and the Straw Sandal. Um, I don't know what the fuck any of those groups do, but the one that's important out of those is the Red Pole Enforcer. And he kind of oversees the 49ers which their numerology is obviously 49 and these are just ordinary members and then the blue lanterns which are uninitiated members and they don't get any numerology um, associated with them and their rituals are fucking fascinating dude they they use these codes these numerological codes and they have to mix wine with a bunch of incense they got incense like smoking up the entire room they mix wine with uh blood of either a pig a goat or a sheep and they get inducted into this triad secret society and i'm sure that there's a lot of opium going around i'm sure that there's a lot of interesting rituals that we see and again this is similar to the thuggies or the yakuza of japan right and i just find it really fucking interesting that so many of these groups have these kind of rituals, these blood rituals and these sacrifices, and they incorporate drugs to probably get more connected on a spiritual level. The idea is that as we see it today, what is it? The adrenal glands? We're yeah, talking yeah. about adrenochrome. Like something there's something in the the life force um that brings out that brings out something when people when a certain group of people drink this certain drink in a certain ritual as apparently amps up that effect mark you were talking before we got on here about the fact that like these these are just part of our dna i mean we've got cannabinoids in cannabis very obviously and then cannabinoids in our brain right absolutely yeah i i just wanted to clear something up because i i wasn't sure what you're saying uh ryan so i i looked it up did you say the han dynasty because I couldn't find the Han dynasty as uh, related to the triads, but if you're talking about the Yin dynasty, Q-I-N-G, that would make more sense. But I know that the Manchu dynasty was the dynasty before China was basically destroyed. Their economy was destroyed by the British Opium War. Um, And I would suppose that the triads now involvement in drugs would be because of that. I mean, the British effectively destroyed the Chinese's closed empire, opened up their port cities, and then now this secret society, which was very similar to how Western secret societies operated, springs up in China. I I may be wrong because I'm not sure when the triads began, but if they began in the 19th century, I would say that they were probably a result of 
the Harriman Trust, Skull and Bones, and the British East India Company, that and all those suckers who were basically sucking the life out of what the Chinese emperor, Empire had, uh, you know, kept since what, like the BC times? I mean, the Chinese Empire is the, the longest standing empires in the history of the world. And uh, the British made short work of them by turning their population into opiated masses, you know, and now we see that since then, you know, opium has become widespread as heroin, as pharmaceuticals. It's being used against the population at large. And I think that if I was a Chinese person who cared about history and had a little stroke of pride, I would say, fuck, I'm going to start selling opium to all these fuckers who destroyed our country with opium. I mean, that to me is what I think triads represent is like, hey, these British guys destroyed our country with opium. Let's start selling this opium. And I don't know. That's just my layman's uh, view of it, I guess. But what what's... Do you have a approach? Is there anything real quick sim- symbolic about the the introduction of this drug, Ibogaine? Ibogaine is this uh, African drug, which is um, it's 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 I think smoke smoked and drank right in different in its different forms, um, but it is being introduced as this this thing that will help you beat off. Uh, beat off yeah beat off really really hard so it'll come out all over your face uh opium addiction right <laughs> um is is there something about like, i know the silk road is a, is a great great little nugget of, of history right because it, it expen- extends all the way from like the coast of china to the uh horn of africa at one point so at, at some point some of these people were were exchanging drugs of all all types of that is there something specific about Something, any, anything extra, extra creepy about aside from the fact that zombies come from here? The idea of zombies, like the ibogaine plant. Have you have you screwed around with that at all, uh, Mark? Screwed around with it? No, that's a different question. Do I know about it? Yes. Um, as far as its relation to zombies, are you talking about the zombies in Haiti? Oh yeah, no, I'm only saying that Africa is a cool little spot to visit during all this because we often, very often, talk about the Far East. And then Western Europe, especially around this time 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 frame, and then we 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 neglect Africa, where like at least the 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 bulk of the world's like pain is coming from at this time, right? With if they're either they're either selling each other to other places or 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 killing each other around this time. It's such a barbaric, literally barbaric, because it's like barbarism comes from that it's area, racist, the but Barbary yeah. Coast. Yeah, well, but you know, just like. Just like the triads, I would say that, uh, you know, that's more Europe's fault than Africa. But uh, yeah, yeah, for, for your point yeah. about psychoactives, Ibogaine is absolutely uh, magnificent as far as its chemical structure. It's very complex. Uh, it's very, I don't think they understand quite how. Uh, it works because of how complicated it is, and that might be why they haven't synthesized it yet, but it comes from Africa. It's used to, like you said, help kick people off of heroin, and it's extremely psycho. Like, it will take you into a crazy trip, but most people say it's not pleasurable. Like, it's you're puking, you're feeling sick, and you're literally purging whatever you're addicted to, whether it's heroin or 
something else. I mean, I don't yeah. know what else. It's it's the equivalent of the 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 speaking outside of my 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 ethnic zone, uh, admittedly, but it's like the equivalent of like smashing the glass at the bat mitzvah, right? Like you're by taking this thing in, you're throwing away your your boy life, and you're coming into some adult life. That's this this drug is actually used as like some um in some rituals of like just coming of age in in Africa around this 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 time in history. Absolutely. So yeah, it it, it, yeah, it makes well, sense that it's like. The- Here's the important thing to remember is that rites of passage of indigenous people have been conducted all over the world and psychoactive plants are absolutely always for the most part involved, whether, you know, some conditions, some environmental conditions where you can't find psychoactive drugs that you'll see that people do things like, uh, you know, go through certain pain rituals or scarring rituals. But for the most part, yeah, you're right. I mean, and I would say that because it's an indigenous setting, the plants used are not concentrated to the point that they're being used in with Ibogaine as a treatment for addiction. I think that would probably be in larger concentrations to kind of put and induce this effect that I think, you know, you did a good job of explaining it almost, but I would go a little further and say that it kind of rob, you know, these drugs like opium, they rob your soul from you. And Ibogaine has the ability to give it back. I think that's what people are experiencing when they take Ibogaine. And then they, you know, and Africa has some of the uh, oldest strains of cannabis in it too. I mean, Durban poison is a very popular cannabis strain and that's indigenous to South Africa. So you know, there is a psychoactive history in Africa. Um, Egypt used lotus, blue lotus powder, uh, going back very long, a very long time. I actually tried that stuff once. I ordered it online off the dark web, and uh, I had a very, very lucid dream. So it does work. I would not recommend ordering anything off the dark web, but yeah. Know, and if I'm not mistaken, that blue that, lotus. Folks. That blue lotus flower uh, is referenced in, I think, the Odyssey, uh, where he says that Odysseus, you know, didn't want to fight the gods because he uh, either snorted or drank blue lotus. I remember I read that. Also in the, the was it the Dark uh, Dark Knight Rising, the first uh, Batman, where he's like told to go to the, uh, the the Alps and look for this blue plant. Yeah, yeah, man. It all, it's, all, it's all coming together here. I know we're we're tying it all in, but Mark, you had a question about the Han Dynasty and the ending. Yeah, I of... think you may be just for the sake of not putting out you know false information. What I looked up, uh, it says that the secret society of the Triad started operating in the early 19th century. So that would have been yes. the 1800s. But when I looked up, yeah. The Han Dynasty, I found that they existed from 206 BC to 220 AD. So I just wanted to give you a chance to clarify in case you misspoke because it it was the Qing Dynasty, Q-I-N-G. Yes, no, you're absolutely right, dude. But the thing that I was getting at was the triads symbol was that triangle. And they had this picture of this Guan Yu who helped end the Han Dynasty. He was someone that was a general, or I think he was a general under the warlord. Um, And again, I don't know how to pronounce these fucking weird names, but Li Bei, I think, is the warlord. 
Yeah, so Li Bei was this warlord that helped end the Han Dynasty. And the triads really worship this Guan Yu. If you want to look him up, dude, Guan Yu is G-U-A-N space Y-U. And that's a, that, you know, right when you see that dude's face, you'll recognize that as like a lot of like Yakuza. And a lot of these people have tattoos of this guy. And this is the guy that they kind of, they kind of view him as like their Jesus Christ or their Mithras or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. But this is like the guy that they kind of stand behind is from what I, the information that I gathered. But no, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this guy was around much, much earlier than from when the triads formed. Okay, well then, fuck me. I didn't mean to be like a Mr. Know-it-all and uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell you what, you know, but, you know just i i misheard you that's all but um to bring it back to like maybe that era maybe a little earlier than that i mean we have you know rabelas right a french um author right rabelas are you from rabela rabela are you familiar with him r-a-b-e-l-a-i-s no so he wrote a book called gargantua and pantagruel and in this uh, myth or story it's kind of like a, a jab at uh, the bible um, it was written in the middle ages and it's a middle age story that refers to cannabis in the story this guy uh, pantagruel who's a giant him and his friend or i'm sorry yeah pantagruel and this guy pan urge who's his friend who's kind of like a troublemaker they're on a quest because Pantagruel's getting married and he thinks that he's going to get married and become a cuck for whatever reason. There's something uh, in the Middle Ages, people were worried that their wives were going to cuck them. So he goes on this journey to find this grail to drink from that will help him fit, you know, determine whether or not he should get married. And on the way, they use cannabis, which is referenced as Pantagruelian. Uh, to help them on their journey. So this is the middle ages where you're, you're seeing a reference to cannabis. And like we talked about earlier, it was referenced in the Bible, the Templars used it, it was used in Persia. So there's a streamline throughout history of this psychoactive plant being used. And Chris Bennett, you know, someone who I really revere, I think his work is amazing. He says that it's quite possible that cannabis may be the uh, tree of life, right? From the from the Bible. And I think that things like peyote, uh, mushrooms, and uh, ayahuasca are just more intense variations of this kind of plant energy that we as human beings can interact with and, uh, and, and then subsequently interact with other realms and higher dimensions, you know, and, and, and receive this kind of inspiration that inspired so many religious movements. I mean, from from all the way back to the Scythians, cannabis was behind, like I said, Zoroastrianism, um, Monarchism. We have the whole group of Hindu religions in India that were using cannabis, Taoism, you know, so there's a clear through line of this. And then even up to uh, 17th century France and Europe, we had these scientists and alchemists using cannabis right in the beginning of the rosicrucians they were using cannabis as well so like the freemasons the rosicrucians in europe were using cannabis 
which got carried over to America. And there's got this guy, I wrote his name down, uh, <clears throat> Pascal Beverly Randolph. He was in the 19th century, one of the largest importers of hashish. And he was also the founding member of the Rosicrucians in America. So cannabis and secret societies have been interlocked, I mean, throughout history, because like you said, the, the secret societies were kind of like the outcasts, Ryan, you know, in a sense, there's this empire that's trying to squash any light, any knowledge to lead to this kind of gnosis or awakening. So these people who cared about preserving the knowledge had to go underground within groups like the Freemasons and Rosicrucians. I personally believe that as time went on, these groups were infiltrated and and now it's become even more complex i don't think we can trust them the way we trusted them during the renaissance and all of the great things they brought to us during the renaissance dude with the infiltration i don't think it was just one way either i think that some of these secret societies infiltrated like the empires right like we see the vatican has turned completely satanic and like you know we're seeing this really interesting dynamic go on with like main street trying to attack wall street, which was unthinkable. Like, you know, two years ago, even one year ago. And we're seeing possibly like a new form of society kind of get together where it's, you know, through the digital age and the internet, we're seeing, you know, people all across the country, changing stock prices now that might be a psyop i you know we're we're constantly pounded in our head that less than one percent of the population owns 99 percent of the the wealth whether it be digital or actual you know currency uh you know tangible currency or or precious metals but you know with this gamestop shit that happened you know everything that we saw seems to be kind of a psyop in my opinion and I think that we're, what I'm trying to get at here is in this age with the internet, this society is kind of forming where it's a counterculture. It, it's always been a counterculture, whether it be the Illuminati going against the church or whatever the case may be. Right now, we're seeing the little guy trying to take on the big guy once again. And there's something that's going on where whether it's true and whether it appears to us the same way that they're trying to show it to us. I don't think that the little guy was able to move GameStop stock that much. I think that that was a psyop from the hedge funds where they pumped money in to make it seem like Wall Street was losing $18 billion or whatever it was. I think that they ended up saying that their final losses were closer to $80 billion. Um, I don't see that as being possible now that I'm thinking about it. You know, with, with this ripple thing that just happened... Wall Street Bets was trying to, you know, make Ripple's price jump up. And you saw it just jump up, you know, like six hours before it was supposed to. And everyone buys in and it falls, you know, and, and Ripple's stabilized now. But I mean, like, it's very interesting that we're seeing people trying to get very proactive in going at the government and at Wall Street and these big institutional bankers and everything like that. But unfortunately, we aren't able to communicate in this like incognito fashion where anything that I say to you, this conversation right now is probably fucking recorded and stored into some database. 
right? So if I email you or I text you or I call you on the phone because you're you're across the country, I can't communicate you with you in a secretive way unless we're gonna fucking do like some snail mail, which you know nothing. N- there's there's no way for us to really, uh, you know, rally against our suppressors, and so I I find it just very interesting that secret societies form over and over again some die out some we don't know about you know but but some end up integrating with government in a in a huge way i I, you know upon first glance it seems like there was some kind of a sea change happening in the mid to late renaissance era from pot to coke i want to ask you guys about this because i actually have i actually have a little little thing about this that ties in a whole bunch of numerology, symbology, Wall Street bets, old school stuff, uh, secret societies, and, and a bunch of that. So there's this there's this this drink called the Vin Mariani. It's Bordeaux wine uh, mixed with coca leaves. Coca uh, coca is the the root vegetable for cocaine. That that the drug actually won't get synthesized until the late to mid nineteenth century, I believe. But this this drink is popular with people like uh, Queen Victoria, Thomas Edison, Ulysses S. Grant. This all, by the way, comes from a, a friend from the of the podcast, Cameron. He's a huge fan of these kinds of uh, these kinds of uh, these kinds of things. But um, well, in, in particular, there's one in particular. There's one in particular that really struck me because it's Pope Leo the Thirteenth. So it's scary. First, right off the bat, just mentioning that name. Leo is the lion, right? In Latin, a lion, the, the devil in Job says to be roaming around the earth like a, like a lion, uh, uh amongst us. Right. And then 13, does anyone have to explain that numerology <laughs> to our crowd? This guy actually goes on to lead the longest life that any Pope has ever had. I don't know if he's like tapping into some kind of fountain of youth, but this guy was like, carrying around this vin mariani constantly always had a flask of it very very notoriously it's a scary ass quote but he's 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 quoted as saying let's see where is it hold up just a second well do with my, with my, victoria my, my too i mean you mentioned queen victoria she used to smoke a shitload of weed when she was pregnant i mean like she would she would smoke weed to uh suppress her menstrual cramps and shit you know right, but so weed ties right back into that too absolutely but pope leo is pope leo is quoted as saying like i sneered at the poor mortals condemned to live in this valley of tears while i carried on the wings of two leaves of coca went flying you know what I mean, and, and and that that it actually means something to me. It's almost like a transitionary period where you know today, the American psychotypes, the Wall Street bankers, Gavin Newsom, they're doing coke. Like this is not. I mean, pot. Well, they'll they'll do it maybe to take the edge off of it, but they're cokeheads. You know, this is a a classic trope of Wall Street. Well, and 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 you're also and, mixing and not just ahead. that, not just that. They're they're amphetamine heads with the yes. uh, you know normalization of Adderall, which is just a weakened version of meth, and and, and diet pills, right? Diet pills. Uh, Trump, Trump is yeah. Trump is noted a couple times having pictures of diet pills in his uh, in his his bureau. Which, if you go to like what is it, Requiem for a Requiem for a Dream, it just yeah. t- shows the diaspora of highness that you can get in this life. Yeah, with mean, our access to all this shit, and it, it just, I mean, uh, Hitler has has had these diatribes of like for four hours long, where he meets with Mussolini and doesn't let him speak a bit, and you figure 
figure out 50 years later that half of his army is doped up completely with coke. I mean, this is a very, very, to me, a spiritual drug still. It's yeah. still plant-based. Dude, I mean, ha- haven't we seen, like, the Wolf of Wall Street, like, where they're like, hey, uh, everyone does cocaine here. Makes your, your fingers push the buttons faster. <laughs> Every successful person has their vice. Every successful person does something. Nancy Pelosi chugs vodka in between Senate meetings or House meetings. Then we got, I'm sure Chuck Schumer is, you know, sucking adrenochrome. We got Joe Biden getting caught up with, like, bags of blood in the airport and shit. Everyone has their vice. And, yeah, I mean, drugs absolutely are pounded into people's heads. I, but I do want to – real, 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 real quick, quick, work, work. I, I, just, I, just, I, I just do want to lay out real quick, though, the social uh, importance of these. From even the skeptic's perspective, rituals and uh, 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 um, chemicals like these, they're at very, very least – used to tie people together in a society and whatever if it's an anti-society or if it's society themselves they have these rituals they go to church they drink a little bit of wine right they uh they they have a a power meeting in which they drink scotch which is undeniably an uh, an alcohol as well alcohol right um and then and then and then we have great meters like steve jobs and, and and all these other like Big creators, Elon Musk, big, it, it, yeah, industry creators Joe throughout Rogan. history, who are very, very obviously uh, potheads. Uh, pot it's just this weird confluence of of of. It's definitely plant based. It's of the earth. It has that energy, but it, there seems to be something going going weird around the uh, the, the the time of the Renaissance. Ooh, so, Mark so disagrees. Let's yeah, hear. yeah. So, Mark, let's get into it here. Yeah, go ahead. Well, why I why I want to clear this up is because I think that uh, the pharmacia, right? And I hear this word used by Christians who want to tell you that all drugs are bad, right? But let's not forget that if you're going to look at the world as being created by a creator, you got to consider that the creator created all these plants, right? So, you know, I think the real evil comes from the concentration of these plants. You look at coca, right? When it's mixed into a wine, it's not that bad. Doesn't get you addicted. Doesn't cause one of these crazy hangovers that makes you want more and more and more. I've never done it. I've always been against it because I understand that the empire has manipulated that plant to work for their agenda, right? Yeah. So yeah. just like Brandon, lovely, you know, his he, the way he illustrated. It was great. I think he made a great point of showing how drugs and culture are inexplicably connected. So when you look at how the empire or the controlling elite have uh, manipulated our culture, they've pushed us towards more concentrated and more man-manipulated forms of plant drugs, right? So in the past, we would have been using plants that came directly from the earth growing directly under the sun with no chemicals and fresh water and perfect soil. And now even the organic, you know, weed is hard to get. So it's like now we're living in this world where man has chemicalized the planet and turned it into this over-concentrated thing. And I think that's where alchemy becomes a dark thing and not a positive thing, right? We have all these scientists who are engaging with cannabis and created this science that ultimately birthed the materialism that is kind of Luciferian, right? We have this kind of evil agenda. 
And to make things even more complex, you have these secret societies. And Brandon, you better sit back and uh, listen to this episode afterwards, getting up right then and there. (laughs) My liver's working overtime, man. I'm drinking (laughs) beer and smoking pot. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. It's okay. I don't blame you. So, you know, these secret societies, it's complex, man. Like you said, and like I said previously, there was a functionality of secret societies that benefited humanity. And then over time, the empire manipulated that system to work towards their agenda. They've done the same thing with plant entheogens. They've done the same thing with psychoactives. Why I think cannabis was where I focused on today is because it's universal. It grows everywhere and it grows fast, you know, and compared to something like peyote, which is completely regional or fly agaric mushrooms, which is completely regional or ibogaine, you know, the list goes on and on. All of those psychoactive plants are great and they offer something for the people in that region. But I think once we start spreading them across the world, that might offer problems because we're concentrating them, we're economizing them. Yeah, even one of the functions of that, it's our... one of the functions of like crack cocaine, especially, is that you just you just dilute it, right? You just you just put some baking powder in it and spread it out a little bit farther, make it a little bit baking more globalized. Soda. Yeah, and, and baking soda, excuse me, and it goes a little bit farther. Yeah, you're taking something that's already extremely concentrated and cutting it with junks to make your dollar go a little farther. Yeah, but that's I mean, yeah, that's one of the side effects of this capitalism. Um, and its effect on drugs, and obviously the government, CIA. We just had Chris Milligan on Tinfall Hat, who, I mean, if anybody's familiar with him and his books and the people he's published through his publishing company, he's done a lot of research on the CIA and their connection with drugs. And I think that goes back to exactly what you brought up, Brandon, or Ryan, with the triads, right? This period in history where the English empire, which was the greatest empire of their time and possibly of human history, mm-hmm. um, chose to wage against China and successfully opiated them and destroyed their country. And who knows if that never happened, would they be communists? Would they be where they are today? I mean, Part of me thinks that because we destroyed their economy, then the secret societies made some kind of deal to boost their economy in the past 30 or so years. I mean, you've seen that. And then look at who was the ambassador to China, Mr. George H.W. Bush himself, who was in Skull and Bones, which is exactly connected to the cocaine opium trafficking saga of American history through the Russell Trust and Skull and Bones right here in Connecticut, where I fucking, you know, know them a little too well. So that's the thing. It's like, for me, I had the opportunity of learning about all this stuff because it was close to home. But most people would never figure this out because what do you learn about drugs? Oh, they're bad. They're used by criminals, you know, and then Oh, celebrities use them. Rock stars use them. And this is what you learn when you're a kid, right? You learn that they're bad. Then you learn that really cool people use them. And then you learn that all your friends want to use them. And then you do drugs in high school, you know, or you get straight A's and go to college and find drugs then. But for the most part, most Americans interact with drugs at some point in their life, whether in the legal side or the illegal side, cigarettes, alcohol, pharmaceuticals, 
pot, psychedelics, you know, so culture and drugs hand in hand. The only real reason why cannabis, I think, was outlawed was because people in the segregated America of the early 1900s, the early 20th century, uh, they were afraid that cannabis was uniting black and white people and all these jazz clubs, you know, and, and cannabis, like we said, it's spiritual, it melts away all these cultural preconceived notions. So all these uh, people of different cultural backgrounds were getting together, smoking weed and weed, what does it do? It washes away all that bullshit racism stuff that they were thinking and makes you realize, oh, hey, that guy, even though he looks different than me, comes from a different place, is just like me and likes the same music as me and the empire which seeks to divide and <laughs> it, it goes past the reptile brain you right? know yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 well it opens you up to being connected with your spiritual self you know and i think that the empire which seeks to divide and conquer and divide and control always you know tries to stomp out cannabis and has ever since the beginning of time i mean it's been with us since, like I said, the Kurgans and the Eurasia and the steppes, the Scythians, and then on to India, you know, where it was preserved in religious ceremonies for thousands of years and spread all over the world underground through these trade routes. The Freemasons used it. Modern scientists use it. Sir Isaac Newton's rival, Robert Hooke, was given cannabis from a friend who got it on one of his expeditions and um <clears throat> robert hook said i have a little uh quote here from him let's see it is a certain plant which grows very common in india tis called by the moors ganji by the chingalese comsa and by the portugal's bang the dose of it is about as much as may fill a common tobacco pipe the leaves and seeds being dried first and pretty finely powdered so, I mean, that's really clearly, that's you know, fucking, Robert Hood talking about cannabis, that's a fucking, you know, that's a fucking and that was right there, Sir yeah. Isaac Newton's rival. That's dope. What's that? That's a, that's a fucking joint right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's fascinating. <dude. laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I mean, and this is, you know, this is the Royal Society that started science. So if that's where, you know, the foundations of what we would call sciences, then why isn't science more on board with cannabis? because the empire doesn't want us using it for what it is a incredibly renewable resource and a mind expander what's what's that that fucker's name who like owned a whole bunch of paper mills and then fucked over the hemp industry in the early 20th century hertz hertz was it hertz is that is that, is that hertz well he hertz? um Fauci? Oh, I feel like it was something that the Fauci Anthony Fauci <laughs> I can't remember his name but it, it, it is weird it is weird it is that Hertz, oh, Hurst, like H-E-R-T-Z. Her, yeah, Hearst, like the Hurst. car company, and he Hurst. traded it all in for a car company. Yeah, well, it is Hearst, but but isn't that weird though that that these industries they it really does come uh, paint a better picture than the leftist liberal media who you look to just shoo you guys aside, um, than the, the the picture that they paint that there are some people like William Randolph Hearst. There it is. That says, like, this is not the shit that our country wants to be working off of. The hemp plant, specifically in the 20th century, right? And then there's this 
total counterculture, which is embedded with the hippies, right? Like it's not just some aberration of some of just the CIA. It's a it's a it's a natural, organic, grassroots growth of people getting more in touch with with society that ends up in the invention of fuck the the second Gutenberg press, right? The internet. Well, we're getting back to a very basic point here, but the first law regarding cannabis was any farmer in the United States had to grow hemp. Just because we need our it country very to go. Versatile. We need we need to we have some some rich ass lands and we need to make some money off of this shit. So pump this fucker out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's very interesting, man. I mean, you know, wrapping up here, Mark, um, was there anything that you wanted to touch on that you ha- that you'd left out so far? Um, I mean, you dropped a lot of good knowledge about this stuff, man. Real, real, real quick, I just wa- I, I do want to say my point about the fact that drugs are at very, very least a so- social cohesion method, right? Like you just meet with a group of people in a room, almost no matter what drug it is, you're going to learn something about the other person. You can do the same thing damn near with just looking in their eyes for a good few minutes during a, a mindfulness meditation. But, 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 but Mark, what, what, what do you have to wrap up on here? Well, to answer the question that you hit me with in the beginning, uh, Thomas Jefferson was known to have quoted to been said, some of my finest hours have been spent on my back veranda smoking (laughs) hemp and observing as far as my eye can see. So, yeah, there is some literary evidence to support that. Um, But, yeah, man, I love talking to you guys. This has been great. Um, As far as this research, it really comes from chris bennett i mean i'm a big fan of all the research he does i've read his book and uh and i'm not just parroting <clears throat> what he said uh because it, it's mixed in with a lot of other things i've researched guys like michael harner who's another uh really respected researcher in anthropology he kind of was one of the first guys to go and write about shamanism um so yeah i mean I love this this type of research. Obviously, you guys saw I was smoking during this uh, podcast because this is just I think part of my mission is to show people that that stigma is bullshit and it's actually used to enlighten and inspire. And yeah, everything can be misused. So I don't want to, you know, advocate for any type of drug, but definitely when used responsibly and in moderation, it can be a fantastic uh, way to awaken your consciousness and keep you healthy, you know? So yeah, as far as cannabis, I'm a big advocate and I want to come back and do uh, more episodes in the future, maybe on, you know, ayahuasca, ibogaine, peyote, yes. whatever else. Uh, but this has been really awesome, man. And yeah, what else? Just to, 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 to prove my open-minded nature here, man, in the time of our, of our recording here, we got on the, the I want to share, share a resource with everybody, Cannabis Culture, Dot com. You've got Cane Balsam, Cannabis in the Old Testament. This was written by Chris Bennett in 1996. Uh, just looking through it, a lot of lot of good references. So so take a, take a look specifically at that, especially if the listeners are looking to dive into this. Uh, and obviously, uh, follow Mark as as fast wonderful. as possible. But wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, follow yeah, Mark man. on. I'm just picking on you, bro. Right, dude. It's all no, good. Yeah, I'm so... just picking on you, Brandon. I know it's very easy to do. We always do low, it here on this low show. hanging fruit because I as a fruit cake here. No, you know what? Uh, yeah, follow Mark guys on uh, Wayward Intellect. I think is still your personal, if I'm not mistaken. And then we have the My yeah, Family I Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Tonight, um, doing lots of stuff. What's up? Yeah, 
Can I mention, uh, I just published our website and uh, if you go on there under the uh, other tab, you can find all of my appearances on this podcast and every other podcast I've been on. Uh, and then obviously you can listen to my podcast. So definitely check out my family thinks I'm crazy.com uh, for more. Good deal, dude. No, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Mark. And I think what we can gather from this conversation today is if you don't smoke a quarter pound of weed every day, you're a pussy and you need to grow up and get your life together because the elites are suppressing you at this point. You're so everyone make sure that you fucking get on board and everyone just enjoy the rest of their life until we are taken over from the triads in China. Yeah, even if you're going to get into if you're if you're going to try to like infiltrate the Illuminati, you have Backwards. to get some green. Yeah, grow up and smoke weed, people. Peace. <laughs>